Time for Plain Politics. This uh, partnership between the uh, Star Tribune Editorial Board and WCCO Radio. Chad Hartman here with you, along with John Rash and Patricia Lopez. Those two are on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. Pat, John, good to talk to you as always. Pat, let's start with you. Let's talk about the story that has broke the last two hours. It is another Bob Woodward book. He's already offered up one on Donald Trump. This one is Rage Among the Headlines. The president admitted he knew weeks before the first confirmed U.S. coronavirus death that the virus was dangerous, airborne, and highly contagious. And as he told Bob Woodward, he, by the way, let's get this out of the way, he talked to Bob Woodward not five times, not 10 times, not 15 times, 18 times he told Bob Woodward more deadly than even your strenuous flus. And, Pat, this was at a time when what he was telling Bob Woodward was extraordinarily different from what he was telling the American public about the threat of COVID-19. Yes, he he admitted in a phone call with Bob Woodward, as incredible as this may seem, that he was intentionally misleading Americans, that he was downplaying it in his words, um, that he knew from the beginning, as, as far back as late January, He had been told by his advisors that we were facing a pandemic that was every bit as deadly potentially as the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. And so everything that has followed since then has been a lie. And now people know it. And almost 200,000 Americans are dead because of it. So, John, here's the quote, exactly what Pat was referring to. I want to always play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create panic the trump defenders are going to say that you can do both that you can put a plan in place to protect the country to shut down citizens coming back from china and and others the restrictions that were set up and there there is and you also as the president should not create panic from what you know about the book and you know a variation of that defense is coming objectively will that hold up the president's first priority is and always has to be to protect the american people and the way to not create a pandemic is to give the clear sense to the public that the federal government is fully knowledgeable fully activated and fully in control of a situation. And so by downplaying it and not acting with alacrity as other countries and certainly previous presidents would have, that created the conditions that has led to such a catastrophe as this country's response has been and did the exact opposite of what the president claims he was trying not to do, which is to create you know, this kind of panic, this kind of concern that clearly has enveloped America and now the world. So this is an extraordinary admission by the president, a remarkable revelation in Bob Woodward's book, and will be the top topic going into the home stretch of the presidential campaign right now. Certainly, President Trump has his base, his defenders, who will say that he did the right thing. But for most Americans, I sense that they will be deeply disappointed that his public rhetoric didn't match the reality that he was well aware of. 
Chad, I, I should point out that, you know, any any president would try not to downplay the situation, but obviously you don't want to panic people, right? Um, but that's very different from deliberately lying to them about the simple things that they could have done to protect themselves, to developing the national strategy that many other countries did that helped suppress deaths in those countries, um, all of which was absent here in his frantic attempt to, you know, keep the economy going, which didn't happen anyway. We're all in the middle of a pandemic-triggered recession. Um, there, there was no control. There was no plan. There was deliberately misleading people in such a way that exposed them to even greater jeopardy. I don't know how you spin that, frankly. There is no positive, um, you know, face that you can put on something like that. John, there are other parts of the book, and I want to get to some of those revelations also about Mattis, Fauci, and some other prominent people where it's classic Woodward where he is – getting this information sometimes directly from them but other times from associates so that is a part of the book but the part i want to emphasize again cnn has already played audio of the president and these exact comments and 18 times this is again donald trump who is convinced he has basically said it he's lived his life this way that if he can sit down with someone whether it's bob woodward President Xi, you name it, he can persuade them. And I'm sure many of the Trump folks were very worried and very wary of giving Woodward so much access. But we had certainly in the anonymous debate last week on the on the Jeffrey Goldberg story, a very credible journalist. People say nobody's on the record. The person on the record throughout this book, John, is Donald Trump himself. Mm-hmm. And, in, and indeed, it appears that General Mattis had some extraordinarily blunt comments regarding the president as well. And I think that that might add some credence to some of the allegations in the Atlantic magazine article about the president's view of people who have made the ultimate sacrifice for their country and the controversy that that has brought forward. And I think it may also increase the pressure on those who made some of those anonymous allegations to come forward and give their voice and and to give an honest accounting of what they heard and what they observed from the president of the United States. So this book may have impact well beyond, you know, what's reported here. It may spur further journalism or a revisiting of the explosive piece that, you know, was the biggest controversy, at least of the week before the Bob Woodward tome was just released. It should be noted, Chad, that in a number of instances, it was Trump who called Woodward. Um, he initiated the phone call, which speaks to the hubris um, of this man and, uh, you know, his his belief and his ability to spin just about anything in his favor. I was particularly struck by the um, audio clip when uh, Woodward asked him about Black Lives Matter and the civil unrest that we've seen throughout the country. And didn't the two of them as, you know, white men of privileged backgrounds have some obligation to try to understand what uh, blacks were going through. And Trump almost hoops in derision. No, not at all. Accuses uh, Woodward of drinking the Kool-Aid and is just so uh, contemptuous of the whole notion. It's really, you really have to listen to it to, um, to fully grasp it. Pat, Mattis is quoted as calling. This is his former defense secretary. 
quoted as calling the president dangerous and unfit to be commander in chief. Wood mm-hmm. writes that Dan Coats, former senator and and um, director of national sure. intelligence, had Dan Coats continue to harbor the belief that Putin had something on Trump. Anthony Fauci on the president's leadership, rudderless, and his attention span is like a minus number. So, Pat, I want to ask you this on the political side. Mm. To the most, most passionate Trump defenders, they will dismiss this. They will say fake news. They will believe the president. They will justify it in some Mm. way. Who does this affect when we're talking about a race that is 60-some days away, that Joe Biden has a nationwide lead, but in many states, many of those swing states, Biden has a lead, but it is a lead that is still very much up in the air. Who does this book most affect, and does it have any effect? We've had many other books. Many of these individuals don't have Bob Woodward's pedigree. We've had other books highly critical of the president. Does this matter regarding November 3rd? Yes, I think it does matter um, in in large measure because so much of it is documented um, in phone calls between the president and Bob Woodward. You don't have to guess about the validity of the anonymous sources. This is Trump in his own voice, and you can hear it saying things that, um, you know, are completely of a piece with all the other stories, all the other criticisms that have come out. Who is this aimed at? It's aimed at uh, political independence, um, people who occasionally vote Democratic, then vote Republican in in different elections. Um, They might be on the fence. I don't think they'll be on the fence much longer after this. Also aimed at Republicans who reluctantly voted um, for Trump. Their first choice probably would have been Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or any of the other Republicans who were running last time. But, uh, you know, they decided to give him a chance. I think business um, has to really take a second look at this. Business leaders um, need to realize that what they've um, what they supported the first time around has not resulted in what they thought it would result in. And that another four years of chaos and lies and lack of planning is bound to be ruinous for this economy. So, John, Pat makes a very compelling case. I, I'm not convinced it's going to have much of an effect. I think it's going to stun us. I think it is startling. But I don't, I mean, we're in such an interesting and unique era. John Meacham is going to join me in about 15 minutes. It's actually a conversation we recorded just before this show, talking about how this compares with 1968. So many people are so entrenched. So let's go, let's go with the Republicans who are on the fence who have just distaste for him, the person, but believe in the Republican philosophy and wanted, would have preferred Bush or Rubio or Cruz. Are they really going to vote for Joe Biden off everything, including this book? I'm still very skeptical. Well, there will be intervening events, including most decisively the debates, that will be watched most likely in record numbers. And my sense is a book like this is a confirming event for those who have decided to not vote for the president, whether they supported him in 2016 or not. And the defense of the president will be a confirming event for his hardcore base. There's a dwindling number of independents, and this certainly doesn't help push them toward the president. You know, when Brad Parscale, who was the former campaign manager for the committee to reelect the president, 
was fired. His replacement came in and said, what I need to do is to win the news narrative on 60% of the remaining days before the election. And so even if this book doesn't have the enduring impact that it would in other presidencies, because there have been so many of them and the whirlwind of controversy continues, it certainly means it's a really rough day for the president's campaign. It'll go on into campaign ads, no doubt, for Vice President Biden and be part of the debate narrative. You can certainly bet that Chris Wallace will ask President Trump maybe perhaps the very first question when he hosts the first debate in just a few weeks from now. So it'll have an impact, but there will be other events that transpire. But this one may have more of an impact, for instance, than John Bolton's book, Michael Cohen's book, the one from his niece and and the many others that have been published. Because it's on tape, because it cuts to the heart of what is really um, racking the world right now, which of course is an uncontrolled pandemic and the fact that the person who most looked to for leadership, certainly here in this country and globally, the president of the United States, deliberately played down the severity of it. Okay, so I want to put, I want to ask you again, Pat, just about something you said early. Mm-hmm. Because you said, and, and I think the evidence is overwhelming in this book, that the president clearly was playing it down. You said mm-hmm. some along the lines, and consequently, 200,000 people have died. We're close to that, or you know, we're, we're nearing there. 190,000 plus, yeah. yeah. We would have had thousands and thousands of people, Pat, who would have died no yes. matter what, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't true. think his rec- I don't think we can put on everybody's death because he was no. playing it down. I mean, I, I just, no, I just want to see if you want to clarify that in any way. We have, we have also had far more than our share of deaths in our, you know, relation um, to the world population. And that's, that's also indisputable. So is he responsible for every one of those deaths? Absolutely not. But the fact is that while he was misleading people, many people died. And some of those deaths could certainly have been prevented if we had had, for instance, a national strategy in place, uh, if we had had the proper uh, equipment distributed in uh, to the places that needed it, if we had done containment strategies, we'd still be fighting a global pandemic. There's no escaping that. But we could have done it better. And now, now we know that, indisputably. Let's pause right there, get to many other political topics. Chad Hartman, along with uh, Patricia Lopez and John Rash, Playing Politics with the Star Tribune on WCCO. Right in the middle of Playing Politics with the uh, Star Tribune, Patricia Lopez and uh, John Rash. Pat, I'll start with you. How about the the money situation that is taking place? It just seems Mm -hmm. like a given that when we talk about a presidential race, if you have an incumbent, the incumbent will have a huge financial advantage. And it seemed like if we were looking at January, that seemed to be the way. The president you know, was very unified within the party, was raising a great deal of money. At that time, John alluded to him before, Brad Parscale was viewed as just a genius. Well, you now have had a lot of good reporting point out that the president's team has already spent $800 million, $800 million that Biden just had a month where they raised $365 million. And the president has basically confirmed that he's looking at putting his own money in the race mm. because of the financial position they are in. 
Is it possible that money will play a part in this race, that the Republican Party led by a a, a self-claimed billionaire will face financial challenges? Well, I mean, you know, this follows the uh, pattern of usual campaigns. <clears throat> it's often seen as a reflection of uh, how well the candidate is able to run things. If they if they burn through all that money um, over the summer, which is just staggering to me, um, leaving themselves nothing for the home stretch, that sends a big signal to donors about whether they really want to throw good money after bad. And so they may well find it even harder um, to raise money, which is probably why Trump is looking at putting in his own money. He has said that. I'm very dubious about whether he will actually follow through with that. That has not been his pattern ever to risk his own fortune on things like this. Um, his whole MO is to use other people's money. But that may be very difficult to do um, after they see how Brad Parscale, you know, ran through it all. John, there's there's still a couple months to go. Uh, I, I still have a tough time believing that either party in this era, when we have so many large differences, will have a significant financial advantage over the next couple months. Do you think it could play out that way? And, and right now... The Democrats, if we're going to see a disparity at this point, it would be in the Biden favor. Well, I think certainly in 2016, the president's hunch was right that he didn't need to raise as much and spend as much, perhaps, as his Democratic opponent because he so dominated the free media space. And as president of the United States, as one of, if not the most unique one we've ever had, and relative to the reticence of Vice President Biden, to hit the hustings and to do daily press conferences the way the president seems to do, he's going to have a lot of free media coverage. The challenge there, of course, is there's only so much control over your message that you can have. And the paid media that the Biden campaign is much more controlled, much more targeted, whereas there's evidence that the president has spent the majority of his money uh, bolstering the base as opposed to expanding it at this point. So, Money could play a significant part, but I think that in such a high-profile race, in such a time that is fraught with crises across the spectrum, political, economic, and health, I think that most people will go on the news narrative and who they think is best to lead the country out of it, as opposed to being influenced by campaign ads, which I think are much more influential on down-ballot races where people know less about the candidates or you have the ability, if you have a significant financial advantage, to define your opponent much more than the president or Vice President Biden will in the remaining weeks of this race. There's another part to this, Chad, and that is that, um, you know, money always matters to a certain extent. And it's not just because of ads, um, because there is what is often called earned media. Um, but campaigns need money to make their ground game work, right, to generate the excitement, to create the events. Um, to get uh, volunteers out that, uh, you know, get people to the polls, to sign people up. All those things take money. Um, you know, somebody has to organize it, pay for it. And um, smart campaigns always make sure that they have some money for that in the home stretch because that's when they really need to do turnout and get their people out there. That's especially important for Trump, who has always catered to his base and not really given much consideration to people in the middle or on the other end. His his strategy completely revolves around 
uh, motivating and mobilizing everybody in that, you know, roughly 35% that is his hardcore. Real quick, Pat, um, are we going to have fireworks on Friday with the, another special session? Well, it sure looks that way. Uh, you know, they've got, they've still got the same list that's been in front of them all summer. Um, they've got, they should do a bonding bill. God knows the state, you know, needs the um, projects and construction industry. Um, they need to decide on emergency powers. Um, there's the matter of the governor's commissioners. Um, so there's a, there's a lot. Yes, the potential is definitely there. John, Pat, thanks so much. Always appreciate it. We'll uh, talk soon. Thank, Thank you. you. Playing Politics, Star Tribune, Editorial Board, and WCCO Radio.